the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 182. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now on to the show. Hi, Sandra. Good morning. How's my friend? I am good. I'm good. Yeah? Yeah, I'm good. Having a pretty, you know task filled week so far. Um, and I think my mommy is coming for a visit tomorrow. She's going to come see our house, even though it's like, it looks still looks like we just moved in. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Every time I think we've gotten progress, it's like, no, there's more boxes. There were more things in the garage that Mark had to bring in. So, um, yeah, so we still have stuff. We have all of our art and tchotchkes and that kind of thing. It's all still, um, you know, in boxes because mm-hmm. we haven't, you know, it's kind of the last thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we need a couple of new bookshelves because what we have ain't cutting it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a priority, <laughs> right? For a book-loving family. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, we need a couple of more pieces of furniture that we need to purchase. And then later on today, there's a little more construction, but I think it's going to be, I think it's the last day of construction. Fingers crossed. So anyway, it's Mm -hmm. coming together slowly, but surely. Um, But yeah, that's, that's it. Nothing mm. exciting happening over here, really. Mm. No. Over here, there's still fire, Sandra. Ugh. And woke up to the worst ash raining from the sky the other day. It just was very uh, apocalyptic. Um, the sun is, looks like Mars, and there's no joke about it. It looks like a red burning planet. Ugh. Um, and it's, it's scary. That was two days ago that I woke up to all of the ash and fires breaking out in the middle of the night, kind of like it did three years ago with our, the Tubbs fire that we had here in Sonoma County. 
Natalie on high alert because her neighborhood is the next neighborhood over to evacuate. Um, it's just really stressful on the body. And what happens for me when this happens, um, the alerts, the evacuations, the smog, I mean the smoke and the sun looking like that is that my throat starts to close up. Like physically, it feels like I smoked a pack of cigarettes <clears throat> and it feels like my throat is closing up and my body is so tense, I can't relax. And mm -hmm. so it's like my body's on high alert and it feels like flight mode, right? You know, fight or right. flight. And I can't, no matter what I do, I can't quite seem to fix that. Um, the beach had, had been good medicine for that a couple of weeks ago. Um, but even I couldn't get to the beach because it was so smoky at the beach. So you can't get out and walk. You can't get out. You're kind of stuck inside. Mm. So that's hard. And that reminds me of just, um, you know, trying to dig into the toolbox and digging out the tools and thinking, okay, I can't ground outside. How can I ground inside? How can I do some things or meditate or just sit on the mat or just stretch? You know, I'm just trying to pull out the, the tricks um, when I feel that way. So it's been stressful. Um, one thing that has been helping me though, I noticed on Monday when that was all happening, I, um, I didn't make my bed that day, Sandra. Mm. And I told you I didn't used to make my bed because I wasn't the first, I was always the first one out of bed. So my husband used to make the bed. Well, now it's just me, right? And when I make the bed, I feel like my day is going to go well. Yeah. I'm saying I'm a bed maker now. And yes, I, I did it before this podcast. I was running. I was like, I was going to be maybe one or two minutes late. And I'm like, no, I have to finish making my bed and I have to grab my tea. And, um, Monday I didn't make my bed. My house felt undone dishes in the sink. Like I just felt undone. And so yesterday when I woke up, I was like, nope, making the bed, did the dishes before I went to bed, made sure everything was kind of ready for me. Cause I'm like, I got to do a little tiny thing to kind of just jump off from there. So it's small, but you had mentioned that before as something that you do in sobriety. And, um, just because of my household logistics in the morning, I hadn't been, but it's, I think it's a really important tool. So it I'm a convert. It really is. I mean, convert. I don't know. Yeah. It seems so simple or just kind of a throwaway thing, but it's not for me. It, it, mm -hmm. yeah, it really kind of, um, I don't know, buttons up my morning where I can just, you know, okay, that's done. Now I can move on to some tasks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, and I mean, I even currently have dishes in my sink. Like, so it's not all, you know, it's not like all around tidiness. It's just yeah. this bed making thing for me is, is, um, uh, it made me think of this quote that I've been sharing with some of my clients. It's from Starhawk. Uh-huh. And it's, um, any ritual is an opportunity for transformation. To do ritual, you must be willing to be transformed in some way. The inner willingness is what makes the ritual come alive and have power. Ritual that is alive doesn't become frozen in form. And so it's like, you know, so whatever it is for you, you get to attach the meaning to it. Yeah, I but like that. Yeah, but it makes it a significant, a significant thing, you know, like she said, an opportunity for transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this invitation. Yeah, and you don't have to take it, right? It doesn't have to be your jam. And I think for the bed thing, I just thought, well, I'm, I, I didn't have the opportunity to make it. Right. Because my, someone was still in it. Um, 
so it didn't even affect me the way that it was affecting me the other day, but it was, it's nice to know, like this morning, I was like, no, before I, I rush off to go do the thing with Sandra, I need to, I need to do this. Like I had, it was like a compulsion. I had mm-hmm. to make the bed. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's get to it today. Let's, um, let's, uh, do you have anything to share or anything you want to promote? Uh, yeah, I will just share that, um, by the time this releases, it will be October, right? Yeah. October, yeah. So after October 1st. Um, so that means uh, my calendar is, has, is opening up for new clients for Change Your Story. Um, so if you need a witness for your own transformation, speaking of, um, I'd love to work with you um, four weeks, uh, one-on-one Zoom calls and lots of back and forth and lots of moving the needle on whatever it is you want to work on. If, even if that is, um, you know, solidifying sobriety and you can find out more information about change your story and how to sign up at the There's a bar at the top, just click that and it'll take you to the information page with some testimonials at the bottom. And please feel free to, use the contact form if you have any questions. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm uh, people can book discovery calls with me for October. I have room for four clients and they're half an hour free discovery calls to talk about um, recovery, creativity, whatever you want to talk about. I have some awesome clients, Sandra. I'm so proud of them. I'm going to be sharing in my newsletter um, that comes out. It will have already come out. I think by the time this airs, but I have a purse designer or like a, yeah, she's making these beautiful leather and fabric clutches that she's going to be launching, launching in November. And we've been working together for eight weeks and uh, actually we're going into our next phase three of it for the project. And it's been so fun. These ladies light me up as I'm mm. sure they light you up when you were. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had, um, doing the creative coaching has been really fun, but also, um, talking, I've been working with clients for the gray area drinking, and that has been, um, teaching me a lot as well. So if you want a discovery call with me, it's free 30 minutes. It's on my website. Um, there's a link there at tammysolace.com. Wonderful. All right. Let's talk about our friend, Kara Jean. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about Kara Jean. Um, she grew up in upstate New York with her mom. She went to college in Albany. She studied psychology and political science, interned for various politicians while in college. She is now a fellowship coordinator at a teaching hospital in Boston and is in recovery from alcohol and an eating disorder. Yeah. And we get into it in the show. I'm kind of so excited to talk to Kara in the beginning of this episode. I'm jumping all around. I'm not a good interviewer in this episode. I just want to let people know that if you, if you ever thought I was, um, I just was excited because we know her so well and, um, and got to have been able to witness her evolution in recovery. And so it was lovely. It was a lovely talk. I do have to say the sound on my end while I was listening, there's some, some dropouts. My internet connection wasn't super great during this episode. So, um, Steve, uh, is going to try to fix that for us, but just so you know, there's, there might be a little bit of where it drops out for a second. And I apologize for that in advance. Yeah. Will you guys enjoy Kara? Enjoy meeting Kara. Welcome to the show, Kara. Thank you so much for having me, Tammy and Sandra. Hello, Kara. I'm so excited that we that we get to talk to you this morning. I know. Me too. 
how how long has it been that we've known each other through the internets? Like how has it been four years? Yeah, I think um, we've known each other since 2016, I would say. So yeah, yeah four years. Uh-huh. Tell, tell our listeners how we came to know one another, Kara. Um, so I, I podcast um, with Laura McCowan and Holly Whitaker and got really into it. And I saw there was a Facebook group called Home. Um, and I just dove right into the Facebook group and, you know, shared my life on the group. And then um, people just reached out to me. So I've made a lot of connections from the podcast and from the Facebook group. And that's how I know you two. Right. I know we have really, I mean, I can speak for myself, um, created long lasting real relationships with that original Facebook group. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That home, the home podcast was, I mean, I remember just patiently or impatiently waiting for it every Wednesday morning to get posted and be like, what's the next episode? Like, what is, what are those ladies going to say this week? Um, Holly uh, Whitaker and Laura McCowan, when they, when they started that podcast, it was pretty, it was pretty different than anything I'd ever heard before. And it definitely inspired me for this podcast with you, Sandra, like for you know, having a conversation. Right. Yeah. And, but I think just the, the uh, yes, I agree with you, but also just the, the Facebook group too. That was the first time I'd ever, you know, experienced something like that, that you could actually create real bonds with women uh, virtually, you know, in a, in a, in a, online group. That was my, my first time experiencing that. It wasn't my first online group, but it was really, I mean, we got really close. There was a lot of sharing there and I had never experienced that before. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Was there like, there was like 200 of us in the beginning. 200 in the beginning. And I think it got up to, I don't know. I remember 400 and then I remember, you know, maybe more than that too, but but the um, but there were this seemed like a lot the same women posted often you know and we really formed friendships there. Yeah. I've gotten to meet some of them some of those women in real life and it's um, I really cherish that that time. Yeah, it was special. Kara, how did you find the home Facebook group? How did you find home? Um, or, or am I so, jumping ahead here? Am I jumping ahead? I feel like I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> all right, let's get to that. Let's get to that. I'm all excited. Look at me all excited. Really quickly, Kara, where are you talking to us from before we jump into all of that? I am in Boston, Massachusetts. I live um, right outside of the city. Awesome. And um, yeah, the home group. So that's probably going to be part of the your, your story, but we're going to ask you how you came to the decision to quit drinking. But um, it, I just, I, I guess I want to jump in really fast because I feel like it's so crucial to find community, right? And here we are four years later, still connected um, and, and witnessing one another's journeys. And I just think it's really powerful. Really I agree. Powerful. And, and I don't want to belabor this point, but Kira, can you tell my listeners how old you are? I am 26 years old. Right. And so I would never, you know, I, I don't often, I'm not often hanging out with 20 somethings, but that's the beautiful thing about recovery is, you know, it's the great equalizer. And um, regardless of our age difference, we have a whole lot in common. 
and a lot to learn from each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You were so young to, um, when we met you, right. And I mean, you still are young Kara, but, um, <laughs> but you're, we watched you blossom, you know, and kind of grow and evolve. And that's been like a privilege to witness, right. I don't get to do that all the time. And, um, so yeah, so well, let's, let's just start. Maybe we'll, we'll jump back to the home question. I'm sorry to throw that out there and then take it back, but why don't we talk about your decision to quit drinking and then we'll get to the home part. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, it was the summer of 2016 and, um, I was in Nantucket. Um, and every day that I was there, I was just, I was out of control. Um, and I was with my friend for the summer and she ended up leaving Nantucket halfway through. And I just kind of had this moment on the beach where I was like, I have to make a decision to stop sabotaging my life. Um, and I obviously I went to Instagram very quickly and I was ha I was looking up hashtags like recovery, hashtag sobriety. I'm like, there has to be more out there. And being so young, I was thinking, I don't know, like, is this a, is this, it was, it was a scary moment, but I knew I kind of had to um, dive into it and look at it more. Um, so I found Hollywood Occur through one of the hashtags that I was looking up on Instagram and I immediately messaged her, went through her profile and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so young. I feel like I'm like at this crazy point in my life where I'm like, if, if I don't get my act together now, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to sustain a good life for myself. Um, so from that, from then on, I found the home podcast, um, and, you know, just dove right into the recovery community. But what's interesting is like, I got kind of addicted to the recovery community. Mm -hmm. Um, for a few months, I was like, I was like obsessed with all things recovery for a few months. And then when Nantucket was over and I had to go back to college, it was almost like, a dry erase board. Like I had everything mm -hmm. I needed in front of me on the board, but I, I had found the eraser and the eraser just erased everything that I knew, but it kind of still, you know, on a whiteboard, you can still see some of the writings mm -hmm. after you erase it. So it was still kind of etched in my brain that I knew that I knew what I had to do, but I was still, I was, still so in denial of what I had to do that I just kind of put that behind me and went back to college and just like continued that chaotic life. Um, it's like they say you can't unlearn something that you've learned, right? Yeah. 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 And I, I tried to push it away. I'm like, you know, this is just not for me. I'm not ready. I didn't really tell anyone about it. Um, but I knew like in the back of my mind, I was like, there has to be a time where I quit drinking. And, and one thing when I, when I think about drinking, one thing that I'd like to share with the listeners is every time I drank, I got really, really depressed mm. every single time. And I tried to make it work. I tried to switch it from wine to vodka to bourbon to, you know, beer 
to see if like that could alter the way I felt because I'd read like this euphoric effect. You're going to feel euphoria in the beginning. And then it goes downhill from that, from there. But like, I never really felt that euphoric feeling. I felt depressed. I felt deep down depression every single time. And in college, it was just like the norm to mm. be binge drinking. And I gave into the norm and I continued to binge drink. And I would, at the end of the night after binge drinking, um, I, I would be wherever I ended up, I would think to myself like, I am lucky to be alive, but I don't want to be because I'm so miserable. Yeah. Kara, was depression something you had ever struggled with before you picked up a drink? Yeah. So I kind of first had a dabble with depression in like middle school. Um, I, I realized I kind of felt like I was different from people. Um, and I think that led me down a road of feeling like I wasn't good enough for people. So I kind of, I like, isolated myself in, in different ways. Um, and then in high school, I got really, really depressed. And um, I guess we can talk about this now. Um, I developed a really bad eating disorder. Um, so the depression and the eating disorder together was just like, just, it made my high school experience just terrible. I mean, no one really has. I have yet to meet someone that's like, yeah, high school, that was like the best days of my life. But um, me either. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I would have had I not had depression or an eating disorder. I maybe would have had a better high school experience. But I mean, coulda, woulda, shoulda, whatever. Um, but yeah, I had really, really bad depression in high school, and it translated into college. Um, and I, and I numbed a lot of my feelings with alcohol and drugs. Um, so yeah, that, was, that was really challenging to deal with, having depression. Um, another thing I, I want to share is um, I had this amazing therapist in college who just supported me exactly where I was at. And, and I would go in week after week to her. We went, we met almost every Monday and I would go in week after week and I would tell her this this was I was maybe my junior year of college at this point um and I would say to her like I I know that I I know I shouldn't be drinking it's making me crazy it's making me severely depressed and it's making me like extremely manic at times and I can't really see, get get a grasp on my mental health and week after week I'd go into her and I'd be like that's it yeah, you know, uh, I, I feel like I'm done. And then the next week I'd go in and I'd be like, well, I ended up, you know, binge drinking this week, four nights a week. And then I was up all night doing cocaine. And I went to the boy's house that I, I know I made a vow to you that I would never go see again. It was like literally like clockwork. Every single week it was the same story. I'm sorry I drank. I was like apologizing to her. I'm sorry I drank. I'm sorry I used a lot of cocaine and I'm sorry I went to that boy's house that I told you I wasn't going to go to last week. And now did, um, she, my, did she explore? Um, yeah, we tried. She, she had tried to, but then I would just lie to her. 
Mm-hmm. It got to a right. point where like week after week, I would say, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. And then she was like, okay, let's explore it. And then I ju- would just start lying to her. I lied to her j- just so sad. Cause I feel like I wasted my time and I wasted her time just going in and after months of going after months of being her patient and saying like, actually things are great. Things are great. And then eventually I like discharged myself from her because I, I was, I was embarrassed. Right. You're tired. Like, You're tired of lying. Yeah. It, it was exhausting. It was really exhausting thinking when I woke up Monday morning and I went to class that after class, I would have to go to the therapist and lie to her for an hour. But mm. I knew I needed therapy. That's the thing. Right. I knew I needed it, but I just like, I wasn't ready to really explore the depths of like why I was acting the way I was. Well, your, your self-examination, um, Kara, and that kind of self, uh, I don't know, just like looking inward, at, and, and I, I don't mean this to sound like demeaning or anything, but at, at your age, because at, my, at, at 22, at my age, I was just getting started, right? And um, I didn't connect those feelings of, um, you, you know, I, depression or uselessness or um, that I was a liar. I couldn't connect any of those dots because it was just beginning. And I, mm. and I, the fact that you could kind of, you know, know that you needed therapy, right. And know that you, um, you needed something you were searching, obviously by searching for hashtags and going down a rabbit hole of that. Um, yeah. That's a, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was partying like a rock star at that <laughs> age and I, I mean, I worked in the service industry. I was still, you know, in school too, but I, I, yeah, I think, you know, one of the positive, you know, there's many positive things of social media and, you know, internet culture, but I didn't know sober people. Like I just didn't think that was an option at all for anyone who was in their twenties who liked a good party, you know, I just didn't, yeah. because I never saw examples of that. And one of the great things about social media is that you can, now you can search a hashtag and say, Oh yeah, there are people that are sober that are, st- that are living a really fun life. And, and, you know, there's a positive sober lifestyle that you can adopt. Like I just didn't ever see that. Yeah, this day and age, like making sobriety look good is really, um, it's helpful, right? That's how I found Holly and Laura as well as on a hashtag called I choose clean. And I know Mm. that those ladies don't necessarily use those words anymore. Um, They've evolved in their language with their recovery, but that's how I found them. And I went down like just all, you know, all of their work after that, Kara. So I definitely identify with that. Um, okay. So you quit. So you quit, do you quit going to therapy then at this point you get a new therapist or do you just quit going altogether? Um, so I took a few months off and I just, I went out of control. Um, and then I found one, I found a really good one and, uh, we would meet weekly and I started telling her the truth. And it was really, really hard because every time I went in, I was like, if I'm not telling the truth for, to her, I'm not telling the truth for myself. Right. So this is a waste of time for her. This is a waste of time for me. If I'm not going to fess up and tell her that this is my issue. 
I, you know, there were parts that I did leave out mm -hmm. st strategically. So it was less so of um, lying to her and more so just meaning not wanting to tell her. Um, but eventually, you know, it, we worked together and she said to me, I think it's a good decision for you to just try, try to go to AA and just sit there. You don't really have to say much and just like try to absorb some of the information because I think these feelings that you're having, someone else is having the same feelings. And mm -hmm. I, I was like, really? Other people are experiencing this like deep, dark depression that I want to kill myself every time I drink. Mm -hmm. And then I went to, and then I went to a few meetings and I'm like, wait, yeah. Like people talk about how they drank to oblivion. And, and then they wanted to XYZ. I'm like, yeah, wow, okay, there's hope for me. There's hope for me here. So it would take, it would still take a while for me to be like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Um, but AA was like the first, the first meeting kind of media where I was like, okay, I can connect with other women that have shared the same experiences I have. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I, I still was in denial about going to, to meetings and um my close friend in college she and I drank to oblivion one night and you know it got kind of got out of control and I'm the type of person where every time I drank I like yelled on the street and did like really just crazy things and her dad was like girls I'm gonna pick you up tomorrow and you have to go to a meeting mm. and I'm like really so I rode my bike to her house and her dad picked us up and her dad after the meeting was like, all right, you're going to stay. You're going to stay and you're going to talk to these people. And I'm like, I I'm looking for the door. <laughs> like, right. Like, Did you where, sit by the door? I, I used to sit by the door so you could be the first one out of the door. <laughs> Who was this father, by the way? He must have known something about a 12 step or something, right? Yeah. His friend um was in AA and he did her her dad was not in recovery by any means um but he knew about meetings and he knew that his friend had had great success going to these meetings and what a good um, dad yeah and I I think he reached out to his friend and said hey I have my daughter and her best friend and they clearly need some help and mm -hmm. you know what what's what are the next steps that I can take to help them. And wow, I think that's amazing. You know, I would, yeah, that's just really amazing. I'd like to put a point on that. That's um, not, it's, it's hard as a parent to face the truth. And yeah. especially when your kids are, are, you know, adults, they're young adults, but they're still adults. So um, that's a, what a kind act. Yeah. So did you guys stay in talk, Kara? Uh, I did, and I got a contact of a lovely woman that I would end up being, you know, friends with. I've been friends with her for a few years now, um, and I call her every once in a while. She's back in New York, so I don't see her in person as much, um, but yeah, I got her contact, and we would meet up for Dunkin' Donuts coffee, even though I told her I hated Dunkin' Donuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the coffee, the coffee you drink in recovery, right? The coffee and the donuts you eat and drink in recovery. Whatever. That's Dunkin' Donuts coffee. That is a good coffee buzz right there. 
Yeah, there is something about that coffee that separates it from other coffees. It's it's true. That is true. Yeah. So we would meet up and she would sit down with me and she never pressured me to like open up the big book or anything. She would bring it with her and we would sit at this coffee shop and she would like look me in the eye and ask me these really intimate questions. And I would be like, why are you so interested in my life? (laughs) Right. You know, I felt really uncomfortable just like sharing that with people. Um, and, and, you know, like I was still, I was attending these meetings and I'd go to the meeting, say Wednesday from seven to eight in a church basement. And then at eight 30, I'd get out and I'd go back to my apartment and I'd be like, got to text my homies and they got to come over and we're having a crazy night. So it it never made sense to me because I wasn't living the life Mm -hmm. that I was showing to these women but I I would tell them you know hey actually things really aren't going great and they would just say like just keep showing up just keep showing up Mm -hmm. so yeah like there was I would say two years of me trying 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 um trying to connect with people trying to go to meetings um but but still you know like actively drinking frequently Mm -hmm. um but I I think that's that's common people it's I feel like it's unusual for someone to go to a meeting and they're like that's it I went to my first meeting and everything everything was rainbows and daisies and things were great from then on there no we I struggled I I pieced together six continuous months and then I struggled um and that's why I, I I love going to meetings sometimes because People are so honest and I can really connect with them on so many different levels. And it's deeper. It's like a deeper connection than my friends who aren't in a program or aren't in recovery. Yeah. Um, It it feels deeper and I can share so much more about my life to my sober friends than I would my friends who are in recovery just because like they don't really quite understand all of it, you know? It's like a common language we get to share, right? Just like sitting here today and chatting about all of these things. Like we get to share this because, uh, and because we're all vulnerable and we're all willing to go there. Um, when you're met, I think when I'm met in life by people, um, I can show up and meet them. And recovery definitely has taught me that. Um, it's an evolution, of course. I didn't just walk in there. I observed and I took notes and I listened and I watched how it worked and I watched how people walked on the outside of the circle, not in the middle of the circle when people were talking. And I watched how or listened to how they introduced themselves so that I could figure out how I was going to introduce myself. I watched how people put away chairs without you know, being asked. And I just kind of, it was like, you're like a little duck following the mama duck. You're just kind of going, oh, and not blindly. I wasn't like blindly following things when I first got, came into the rooms, but I definitely was observing. And um, yeah, that's beautiful, Kara. I know you and I, I think you, the thing that I appreciate about you and even just hearing your story right now is like, you are a seeker. And it seems like you don't mind asking for help or reaching out because I know you and I have chatted before. um, Yeah. That night, that night I called you a few years ago and I'm like, Tammy, I I can't, I can't do this anymore. And you talked to me for like, I think over an hour on the phone and you're like, okay, you just got to do the next best thing. And I still like, at that point I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to try this. And Mm -hmm. I kept 
I, I think like all of these experiences together, they just, they held me. They really held me and supported me to, to think, to know that like wherever I'm at, someone will find me mm. and I will find them and we can come together and I can help them. They can help me and we can like walk this fucking hard journey together. That's beautiful. You know, I think, I think the concept of, you know, finding somebody, no matter what, you know, group you're in, what community you're in, finding someone who has what you want Mm. is just really um, an essential, you know, piece to all of this. Finding somebody that has something you want and just latching on to them or do do what they do for a while yeah yeah it's like a little roadmap right I mean that's what um that's what happened to me when I heard Sandra's story Kara like I it's not exactly the same as mine but it was enough the same as mine that I'm like ah I want that lady in my circle like I want I want to learn from her and I want to be friends with her and I'm going to stalk her until she lets me <laughs> podcast together and we start, she makes clothes for me and it's going to be the best. <laughs> it's just, but it is, you do find someone, someone, and I used to listen to that in the rooms, like, you know, find someone who has what you want and ask them to be your sponsor. And I was like, well, that's weird. I don't, what do you mean? Like, I didn't even understand the concept of that, but in recovery and kind of seeing online personalities or people, not person, people, and um, seeing, I know that's only a glimpse of their life. I know it's not their whole life, but it was enough to mm-hmm. say like, I want that honesty that Holly has. Right. right. And then you find you're doing things you think you would never do, like <laughs> introducing yourself to a stranger. Right. You know, asking if you can be friends. <laughs> right. Hey, Sandra, want to be my gratitude <laughs> circle? I don't even know you, but I like how you write things in the home group and I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> things you yeah. never thought you'd do, but they're not out of bounds at all. No, no. We have a pretty cool community of women, um, especially in our community, in the Unruffled Podcast community, um, which Kara, you're a part of. And I find it good medicine, right? The things that everyone's recovering from uh, this thing, uh, but everybody's doing it differently. Right. Mm-hmm. So was AA, you're saying you were in, you've gone to a lot of AA meetings. Have, has it morphed and changed your recovery or, or maybe get us to the point where you finally quit and then maybe tell us about that or what your final end date was. Or stop. Yeah. So, um, every summer since 2016, I have spent the summer alcohol free. I've been away from college. Um, I've been living, you know, on a small island off of Cape Cod. And um, it, it's easier for me to not drink because I'm away from the people who trigger me the most. And I know it's it's not their fault, mm-hmm. but um, I find like people triggering. And my translation of like my current friendships right now, I've had to kind of step away from some of my close friendships because I, I really want to get serious in my recovery. And, um, so I kind of, I I officially got stopped drinking, um, this past May, May 16th. Mm. Um, congratulations. So thank you. I've been on bouts of like a few months where I'm very serious and then it's a slip up and then I just kind of 
go like balls to the wall a little, not a little, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, and then it's so much harder to get back. But I feel like this time, um, since I kind of had this like crazy COVID experience, I feel like I just am more grateful and appreciative of my life. And I, I want to get very serious and take recovery as like my number one priority in life. Um, so that my, the other areas in my life are thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's really important to me. Well, so there's a lot to cover. So let's see. You graduated from college. Yes. Yeah. I did. You also are a certified yoga instructor. You did that while you were in college. Is that right? I did not. I got into a program and I never went to the certification. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because I was following you. I remember seeing that online, seeing that. Okay. But you were, again, seeker. I just see you as a seeker and doing things. I love it. Um, And so then uh, a big part of this recent um, development that's happened has been the pandemic and COVID. And can you share with our listeners kind of a little bit of that journey? I mean, you're, you're in the profession, in the medical profession. Um, can you share with us kind of what your experience was like with that, Kara? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it, just a crazy, crazy God experience. Um, so in the middle of March, I ended up coming down with pneumonia and... Um, went to urgent care, urgent care was like, Hey, we're not sure if it's just, they're not sure like what type of pneumonia it is. So they're like, we'll do a COVID test. And at this point I was like, so sick, the sickest I've ever been in my entire life. I had like a crazy high fever. My body aches were like out of control. I, my brain, I was like having neurological issues. I, I really had no idea what was going on. And, um, I took the COVID test, it came back positive, and um, I took the test, what, maybe on a Thursday, I think, and got the results on a Saturday. Um, and at, within that, like, two-day span, um, I was, like, the sickest I'd ever been, ever. Um, and when I took the COVID test, I drove to the emergency room to take it. At this point, like, COVID was, like, it, it was starting to become kind of a thing. There wasn't really quite a pandemic yet. Um, people were still kind of working in person, like masks were definitely not a thing yet. Um, and I drove to the emergency room and I was sweating. I I had such a high fever, but I, I, because I was so sick, I like couldn't, I couldn't kind of, I couldn't say what I was feeling when I pulled up to the emergency room to get the test. The nurse was like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh yeah, everything's okay. I think like we as, I think like we as women are, just, we just, we're learning more, or at least for me, I'm learning more how to speak up. But you know, like in this moment, I'm like, oh, I was like, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm just sick, but I'm okay, I'm okay. But really, my my deep down feeling was like, shit, why did I just say that? I I wish I just told her that I'd like to just walk into the emergency room and stay for a week because I would have no idea how sick I would get after the COVID test and um, ended up testing positive and was in bed and had such bad fatigue, sickness, whatever. On a Saturday that during the day, I'm like calling my mom and I'm saying to her, mom, like, I think I just feel like I'm going to die. And Mm. I, I don't really know what to do. And she was like, 
uh, are you gonna call the 911? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I should. Should I? Mm. She's like, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. Another like, mm. me just me just saying like after I said I feel like I'm gonna die. Then me going, wait, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Um, so that Saturday all day I just uh, was insanely sick and I I really thought I was gonna die so um at the time I was living in a two floor two floor condo and um the first floor was the kitchen and that's where the food was and the water and I I couldn't I couldn't get down the stairs I, I tried to sit down, but my, my body was too, my, my muscles were stiff. I, I was in too much pain and I was like crawling. Couldn't, I couldn't quite get down. So I cr- somehow crawled into the bathroom. Thankfully there were two bathrooms, one on the first floor and one next to my bedroom. And I crawled into my bathroom and I, I, I just kind of like laid in fetal position and I'm like, is this it? Like, is this the end? And I got, I got some water, I crawled back to bed and um, I, I had to get out an electric blanket. My fever was so high, but I was like frozen that I was using an electric blanket to just try to help. And um, at this point it was like 6.30 PM and I felt like I wasn't gonna wake up. I was afraid to go to bed. I was afraid to take NyQuil or take some kind of sleep thing to go to bed to try to sleep it off um, because I was afraid I wasn't going to wake up. So oh. I, I I rolled off the bed and onto the floor and I, I had this God moment and I said, I prayed and I was like, please God, you have to, you have to kill me or you have to make me feel better because I can't take another day mm-hmm. of feeling like this. Aww. And I was living alone, so right. You had there was no one. This was I. I yeah. So so scary because you were all by yourself. Yeah, and no one could come into my apartment because I right. couldn't have. I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It was just. It was so scary. So I. I ended up going to bed, and I was like crying before bed. I was so nervous. I wasn't sure like if I should just try to stay up all night so that I could make sure that I would still be alive in the morning. Mm. Um, but I just, I prayed and I'm like, please just help me. Mm. Either put me out of my misery or you got to make me feel better. And I woke up the next day on Sunday and I, I felt better. I felt like 10% better. And I'm like, wow. Like, God heard me. I was in so much pain the day before. I felt like really that was my God moment. That's where that's when I was like, there is something bigger and better out there and that has a roadmap and some kind of guide, a life plan for me, that there's something bigger. So I got I started to get better in like day by day. I got a little better, a little better. Like, yeah, there were bumps in the road. I drove to one of my COVID tests. I could only leave my house to go to a COVID test. So, um, and I had to take six of them and to get out of oh quarantine. because I, I was still testing. Oh, oh. 
at the time, like you had to take, you had to get two negative tests per the CDC to get out of quarantine, but I was still testing positive. So I was in quarantine for like six weeks. It was just total madness, what not seeing anyone. Deal. What and that deal? was like, yeah. And that was a lot of time for me to reflect. And I, I called my sponsor, um, my sponsor that I had met uh, on Martha's Vineyard. And every day we talked, we would FaceTime for hours, hours. And, you know, she would be like, no, this is your time. This is the moment, Kara. This is it. You have to get serious. And, and I'm like, shit, like I got a second chance in life and I cannot screw this up this time. Mm. Um, well, so you were joining the unruffled calls at that time that we have, um, on Sundays. Yeah. I will never- my, my greasy hair. And I was yeah. so worried about yes. you. Oh my God. So worried. Do you, are you still um, experiencing any, you know, repercussions from that? Any, any kind of physical thing? I know that some people, when they had it for, you know, an extended period of time, they're still feeling some long-term effects. Yeah. So I still don't have my smell and taste back a hundred percent, which super stinks. Um, wow, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it is, it is weird. Um, and I still have like some, I have like some lingering neurological issues on the way to a COVID test. I'd gotten into a really bad solo car accident, just me driving on a busy road in Boston, a highway nonetheless. Um, and mm. my car did this like crazy 360, 180, oh and then the God. back, the back of my car smashed into the guardrail, like 45, 50, 50 miles an hour. And, um, you know, I, I, I look back and I think about it. And at the time I was like, oh my God, this is just crazy. I don't even know what's going on. And the cops came, but no one could really help me because I had COVID. Oh my God. <laughs> like, Fuck. <laughs> they could me. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So um, I had, I had turquoise duct tape. <laughs> in my car somehow my friend had left turquoise duct tape in my car that's and awesome duct- <laughs> <laughs> another god moment <laughs> and i duct taped the I-, I couldn't even call triple a because i couldn't get in the triple a car right mm. um and wow <laughs> i duct taped the bumper <laughs> to the car i drove to the covid test i'm like crying and took the COVID test and this COVID test at this point, it was like my fourth one. So my nose, they, they had, you know, it's a long cotton swab. Yeah. I've, yeah, my, I've had one test and oh, I would yeah. rather not have any more. Thank you very much. <laughs> and at this point it was my fourth one. My nose was like done. I was done psychologically from going to these damn tests and, um, I bled all over the seat. She put Ugh. it up there and all of a sudden it's just like gushes of blood. Thing. It was just possibly one of the worst days of my life. And I got back to um, the condo and I was like, something has to give. My life has to get better from here. Yeah. Well, and yeah. You, you on the call that you came on, Kara, and um, you said, 
when you shared some of this, I was so worried about you and then worried about seeing you, you know, the next week and the next week and just wondering if, you know, so that you, to make sure that you're okay. And, and you had shared, I said, God, either kill me or cure me. And those words, like just, it was like, it reminded me of like, in heavy drinking when you're just so exhausted and you're just so tired. I mean, the disease of isolation, right, is alcoholism. And yet here you were with COVID, like isolated to the hilt, um, alone with your thoughts and your fears and all of that, Kara. And then I'm sure like having a car accident, it just probably felt super surreal. Like what else? And um, I was talking to my sponsor recently about some hard things and she's been talking to me a lot about God's will and, you know, and praying for God's will for me and the power to carry it out. And that sounds all fine and well when we're talking about power and it's going to be good, you know, it's how I equate power to carry it out, you know, like it's going to be powerful and positive. And when I talked to her one day, I said, it just doesn't feel like God's will is, is that right now? You know, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel that way. And she said, Oh, don't be mistaken. You know, God's will can be devastating too. It doesn't sure. all have, yeah, it doesn't all have to be sunshines and rainbows. And so kind of this devastating thing that is happening to you, Kara, and your sponsor, I can see why maybe she was thinking this is like a seminal moment. Um, not that it's fantastic and fun, but that, that I don't know, there's a, probably a lot of huge perspective shifts when you feel like you're going to die. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And kind of from that day forward, I really journaled about it. Um, and that that's another thing in my recovery toolbox is, is journaling and remembering like the really hard moments I have. And I'm not great at journaling. I, I try to journal every day and sometimes I go a few days without it, but it's like journaling those really, really hard moments so I can look back and I can say like, life gets better. Mm-hmm. Life gets better. Like I get better, life gets better. Mm-hmm. And we get, we, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. So how is your health now, Kara? It's great. It's, it's great. Um, I, once I started to recover, I reached out to a nutritionist. I, I was nervous because I didn't eat for so long. I didn't eat for like 10 days. Um, I was nervous that I would like slip back into eating disorder patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reached out, asked for help. Uh, and I reached out to a nutritionist. And, um, my health is better now. I've lost some weight. Um, it, it's interesting. Cause like my eating disorder in high school was like binging, purging. And then I did the restrictive eating and then I just binge ate and didn't purge and then binge ate and like was a crazy exercise person. And, um, but you know, it trans the eating disorder surfaces a lot sometimes, but with my nutritionist, um, because I was, I had been binging a lot in the past, like eight months, just trying to get my life together and feeling like it was out of control. I was like just overeating. So the nutritionist has helped me lose a little weight, um, and make sure that I'm eating three meals a day and that I'm not restricting for two days and then binge eating for three days. And, you know, it's, it's good to to have that, but my health is good now. I feel great. I'm back to exercising and yeah, I'm, 
I'm feeling like I, I'm, I feel like right now I'm in the best headspace I've been in, mm. in my entire life. I really oh, genuinely yeah. feel that. And it's hard. I, I see people's perspectives of COVID being like really, really depressing. And it is, it is really hard to be isolated and working from home a lot of the time. But it's also been a lot, there's been a lot of good that has come out of COVID. I am just, I'm like finding myself and my time is valuable. And, you know, who do I really want to surround myself with now? Who was there for me when I was extremely sick? Mm. And who was there for me when I decided that like I could no longer drink anymore? Mm. You know, those are the friendships that I want to make sure that I put my energy into. Right. It's like some perspectives have become just crystal clear during this time, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so glad you're okay, Kara. Um, Thank you. We've had guests on the show before that have chatted about um, um, disordered eating and eating disorders. And so uh, talking about how alcohol, you know, by removing alcohol, that sometimes was the gateway, right? To, to, to the disordered eating or to the binging and the purging. Have you yeah. found, have you found that, that by removing alcohol, that, that does help with some of that, you know, like if, it, I mean, I guess it was explained to me, like when I drink, it's like all bets are off, like everything's fair game and I can get into some destructive eating behavior. Um, but by removing alcohol, do you feel more present to make those kind of conscious choices? I would imagine. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, like not drinking the disorder eating, it creeps in a little more. For me, it's like, it was always about control. I love, love, love control. I love having control. I love being in control. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And with with drinking a lot of the time, like I, I couldn't be in control. So I drank and I, I masked that because I, I couldn't be in control. Um, but with disordered eating, it's, it's challenging every day, every day. It's like, I'll call you got to work on yourself every single day. I have to wake up and I have to make a conscious, conscious decision that I'm going to choose recovery today. Yeah. It is no matter what it is a cliche of the whole one day at a time. Right. But that's all we have, you know, I can resist it. I can not like the idea some days or I can, you know, cause I want to go into the future. I want to trip a little bit, but yeah, all I have is actually right now. And, and that concept is um, frustrating in the beginning it was for me, but now I can make complete acceptance of it. And it's actually kind of soothing to know all I have is today. Yeah. I love the episode where you interview Laura Tully. Mm-hmm. I just love, love, love her. Yeah, and same. And she talks about her, eating disorder kind of creeping in after she quit alcohol. And I, I have that like same similar feeling. It's, it's like the control. I need the control. Yeah. And right. You almost just transfer that. It's easy to transfer the uh, attention to, yeah. to the next thing. Yeah. A drug's a drug's a drug. Addictions mm. for me, I go from like one thing I'm like obsessed with for a few months to the next thing is I'm, I'm obsessed with and yeah, I mean, but every day I have to wake up and I have to say to myself, like, this is what I'm going to do the next right thing, which is what I've heard. 
in AA, it was like, do the next best thing. And to me, that's like ingrained in my brain. And I just try to do the next best thing. And that kind of gets me, that's been getting me through the pandemic. I think what I admire most about you, Kara, especially as a young person, is that you're not afraid to reach out for professional help. And um, you don't carry um, the stigma and you, um, you're, you're okay with asking for help. So I think that that's how, that's, um, that's how we heal. Right. And I, I was in, I refused to ask for help. I didn't think I deserved help or, you know, it was a worthiness thing. So I think that that's, I just admire that so much about you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I appreciate that too. And when you model that care, right? Like anybody in recovery, like kind of why I like to recover out loud is to model something, not on purpose, not, not like you're doing, oh, check me out. I'm, this is how I do it. But just like watching people walk the walk, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and people listening today, Kara, will hear what you've done, your story. They'll take what they want from it, right? And that's something that'll help them just like yeah. you Laura Tully and you heard something in that interview. And that's why I really love doing what we do, Sandra, and like talking to women and forming community with other women who share our common problem, um, who also share some of our passions too for creativity and writing and visual arts and um, culinary arts and um, all of the things, all of the things. Um, Kara, to that end, it sounds like you're a journaler. Has that been a big part of your um, creative life? Have you been a writer or... What are your creative outlets? Um, yeah, so when I was a kid, I had this diary until my sister ransacked my room one day and went through it. Um, Ugh, the worst, <laughs> right? The worst. That is the worst. The worst. And then, and then I stopped trusting people. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> Forever. <laughs> <laughs> I have a mother wound about the diary. So on my side, yes. <laughs> it does break the trust a little bit, Kara. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, gosh, darn it. I am barely 10 years old and I'm journaling about this experience to the language that I know. And she had the audacity to read it and then run to our mother and tell her. And I'm like, ah, but because right, like, oh. it's the place you get to tell the truth, right? Yeah, I know. So that's kind of translated into my current life. I journal, I try to journal, or at least I have now in the pandemic, um, journaling every day to just like get the feelings out. And Tammy has really inspired me with her gratitude list. And mine aren't as fancy, you know, they're not on watercolor. But um, it's just nice to sit down for two minutes of my day. I spend, you know, probably an insane amount on social media I can cut it off a little in the morning and um, sit down and just tell a piece of paper and tell Mm. my brain and my body what I'm grateful for and just like think about that as I'm going through the day like yeah sometimes the day is hard I made a little work mistake the other day but like at the end of the day when I reflected on my gratitude list it's like there's so much more to be grateful for than like a five minute human error that is easily corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, that's been a really big thing in my life is journaling and saying how I'm feeling and writing my little gratitude list. 
and you know it's been it's been helpful for me good i'm glad yeah i think the whole point of it is right is just to put a few things to help change your perspective and or just help you appreciate what's right in front of me yeah so that Mm -hmm. i'm not tripping about the mistake i made or the conversation that didn't go so great or like yesterday, I double booked clients and they came in on each other's calls and I was completely discombobulated. And because they're both so lovely um, and I know them both, they were just kind, but I felt like not professional. I felt like I was band-aiding things together. And then by the end of the day, I'd, I'd forgotten about it, right? I kind of, I did my list late last night. I had a lot of beautiful things to recall. Um, yeah. It's pretty magic how, and that's all within our power to do that. Um, I want to get back to morning pages. I was thinking about you, Sandra. I don't know if you're doing mm-hmm. them still every morning, but I, I go through fits and starts and I feel called to do them again. Um, maybe it's the season kind of settling into fall and feeling like I want to get up with my tea and sit in a chair and just kind of write in the morning. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love writing in the morning. Yeah. Mm. It's a good, it's good medicine. Um, so Kara, we're kind of getting towards the end here. Is there anything that we haven't covered or anything that you want to share with our community or that we haven't covered yet? Um, I just want to say I'm so grateful for finding you, Sandra, and you, Tammy, and for finding the Unruffled podcast and finding all of the great journey. It's not easy, um, but I know at, at any time that I know both of you, if I called you, you would answer. Or if you were in the middle of a meeting, you would call me right back. And that just, that really means a lot to me, knowing that I have support. So. And you are absolutely right about that. That is correct. Yeah. That's the beautiful um, byproduct. I'm, I'm, I'm working with a sponsee right now through step 12 and just talking about it yesterday and thinking like, I, we give it away so we can keep it is a saying in 12 step, right? We give away what we, how we did it and we share how we did it with another person so that we can keep our own sobriety. And I feel like that's what we do with this podcast. I feel like that's what we do within our community. And, um, and I do, it keeps me sober. So it's not just, uh, I'm not doing this for somebody else. You know, it is a, a bit of a selfish act. I do it so that I can stay sober and stay the course. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for women who come on this pod and men who come on this podcast and share their experience. Right. And so they can lift others. And um, you're doing that same thing, Kara, you're doing 12 step work or service work, or just being a caring, um, strong, awesome woman by sharing your story too. Mm, Thank you so much. Yeah. I know it's not easy to come on a podcast. Sometimes people get nervous, but it's really beautiful when, when people are willing to do that so they can help another person. Yeah. I had the anxiety poops straight before the call. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) glad that we're talking about poop. Thank you. Mm. I'm I'm like, wait, I have to be really, really, really vulnerable. (laughs) You know, so, so I limited myself to just one cup of coffee this morning because I knew, I knew, knew that you know, I was probably going to be in the bathroom for a while before the call. <laughs> but, but, you know, oh I my talk- God, I love you. <laughs> I'll let you two talk about this right here. Kara, you know, I can't talk about poop, right? Yeah. Oh, I- you didn't know that? Yeah, she can't. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. She- 
She can't. She can't. I thought she, she was doing that on purpose. Her. I thought you were doing that on purpose, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> Well, partially. <laughs> yeah, that's Tammy's character defects. Uh, can't talk about yeah. poop. <laughs> it's when I have. I guess I have to work on it. What's the opposite? What's the opposite of that, Sandra? When I'm doing step six, you know how you or seven when you write the definitions, the opposite of your character defect. What would that be? Just acceptance and um, stop being a prude. Uh, <laughs> it's my childhood trauma. I can't. I can't get over it just yet. <laughs> I'm working that's on it. Hilarious. My my therapist would say you just have to face it. So maybe if oh. you turned her, turned you around and just faced it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. This is just getting better and better. Uh-huh. Well, it is a, poop is a palindrome, so you would think that I would like. So my last name is a palindrome. I do love palindrome, so maybe I'll have to approach it from that. <laughs> that even the word I can accept at first. Um, I'm hoping listeners, we don't need a whole bunch of comments on this in the Facebook group. We do not. If if you're <laughs> My daughter had this book. I mean, I'm sure that any moms probably will recall this book. Um, I think it's called Everyone Poops, but it was like her, it was our favorite book. And Mm -hmm. I have that book. Everyone poops. They do. Maybe I need to read that again and go bust that out of Grady's. (laughs) (laughs) Kara, you surprised me with the ending of this podcast. You both have. Got me laughing. So when Grady walks in the door and you have the poop book out, uh huh, you got. What are you gonna say? I'm working on this. I'm working on this. <laughs> working on my. I'm gonna talk to my sponsor about this, Kara, and about you, young lady. <laughs> um, on that note, Kara, we're gonna transition into the toolbox. I hope poop is not in your toolbox. So let's no. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> God, it, was, it should be in my toolbox some days. But this yeah. is the most I've said the word ever. So I'm like bright red right now. I like you guys. Are, you guys are <laughs> this morning. Um, this is the part of the show where we share um, items from your unruffled toolbox with our listeners, which are just items that are like really lighting you up um, creatively or um, in terms of your recovery and sobriety. And we just like to share them with the listeners so that they can jot them down or just take some um, little words of wisdom from you about what's helping you um, stay on the path. Yeah, I love that. Um, so in my toolbox, my first thing is my, I found an amazing local Boston sober book club. We meet every Monday and, um, they, they're just, they, been just so wonderful um, every Monday every single Monday wow yep it's amazing really amazing that's like the the the, the pandemic silver lining is finding these four women and me mm-hmm. um so that that's a real staple in my life um another thing is breath work I like to sit down and I get a lot of anxiety sometimes and I just need to like sit down and feel the ground and it seems so simple but it's it's not it's not easy to sit down and do breath work and and meditate but that that's been really really helping me and being less reactive to people and um to just sitting with my feelings um around alcohol and around this lifestyle i chose and um yeah so breath work exercising um, that, that such, and podcasts, they're a real staple for me and the Unruffled podcast and 
um, Dak Shepard, love, love, love his latest episode. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just great to have that community and know like a lot of these podcasts, they do have a Facebook group or some kind of online presence where you can connect with other people who share the same love for the podcast. Um, and that's been just really helpful, just connecting with other people. Community, I know Holly Whitaker talks about this a lot. Um, community is just so important for recovery of anything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been really great for me. Oh, those are all good ones. Yeah. So uh, real quick, I want to circle back to your first one real fast. The Sober Book Club that meets every Monday. Are, do you guys, are you reading as you go and like kind of discussing the chapters or are you doing a book a week? Um, so we have done a book a week, um, and I've been pretty good at keeping up on that, which is just amazing for me. Um, but right now we're reaching, we're reading emotional sobriety and it's, it's taken us three, three weeks to get through because it's so heavy. And our call the other day, it's, it's, we all have like so much to share about just like letting our baggage out there and being vulnerable and being in the safe space. So emotional sobriety book is not something you get through a week <laughs> right. and you just move on. It doesn't sound like it. Are you guys just doing um, sobriety books or are you reading what, whatever? Um, so we read some sober books and then we read some beach reads just to kind of, yeah, to mix it up. So it's not, um, you know, always serious all the time. Right. So heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And even like the beach reads, we talk about the alcohol scenes and the beach reads of how, you know, they're like at the beach and drinking XYZ and just like how it's so normalized in books and how to like change the conversation around that. So I think it's good to both read sober lit books, but also to read other fiction books where like these are kind of real life scenarios. Um, and they do talk about drinking or drug use or, you know, like kids or parent relationships, whatever. And it's like all brought on this call and yeah, it's been, it's just been like, it's like my therapy. I look forward to it every Monday. Mm, that's it's great. Just, it's been so wonderful. Yeah. And community is just so, so, so big for me. Yeah. Well, you're going to have four things in your toolbox today, Kara. You're going to have <laughs> podcasts and then the fourth one is going to be community. So that's great. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, I guess this is where we have to say goodbye. Uh, I will miss you ladies dearly. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Kara, can, can people follow you on Instagram? Sure thing. My Instagram is Kara, K-A-R-A dot van, V-A-N. And it's dot just, it's not the word. It's just the, the character. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Kara. And if any of our listeners have listened to this and want to be part of our community, you can send us a friend request on Facebook and ask to be added to our secret Unruffled Podcast Facebook group. And within that group, we have um, events every Sunday where we have a sober kind of support call um, for women. And it's at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 Central, 12 Eastern on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, we pretty much had it since just right when the, when the, um, shelter in place became a thing. We've been doing it consistently. It's free, but you have to be, uh, you have to be in the group to get the link. So, yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Kara. It was a pleasure.
Thank you so much. And have a great day, ladies. Thank you, Kara. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.